Welcome to the Numbers Game. I'm Jason and I'm here with Nick and Marty. How are you going today, guys? Going really well, Jace. Excited today. Another case study. Um, and this one has gone off the rails. Successful and then uh, made a few manoeuvres that didn't work so well and went into liquidation. So we give you the good news at the Numbers Game and we share the bad news too because we want to learn from both. So, But really good. Nick, how are you, my friend? I'm well, thank you. And yeah, we want to learn not what what not to do as well as what to do. And it's uh, it's going to be good because it kind of links back into um, links back into the story we we're talking about last week around you know everything breaking down around you whilst your business is is hypothetically going well, and then the impact that can have when it doesn't do so well your business. So yeah, looking forward to it. How are you, Jace? Looking fresh today. Thank you, mate. Uh, trimmed the uh, beard off uh, a little while ago, a few eps ago, and um, yeah, just rocking the shorts doubly look rather than the big uh, homeless beard look. So just something a little bit different, but thank you for noticing, mate. It's uh, And yeah, going well. Um, these uh, last couple of eps have been been just getting me up and about, putting me in a good mood, and uh, I really enjoyed the case study app on, on Koala, so I'm glad we've brought another case study uh, back to the table. So looking forward to hearing you unpack it for us, Marty. Before we jump in, I was just going to say that this episode has been proudly brought to you by the wonderful team at Innovate. So off the back of talking about, you know, companies getting into trouble and people losing their money, uh, if you do need to make sure that your money's in the right places, there's a fantastic wealth financial planning team who can help you with your budgeting and cash flow. And then when you need some money, the finance team are absolutely outstanding. So check out innovate.com.au. It's I-N-O-V-A-Y-T for those that have been living under a rock and not listening to the podcast for that long. So, Marty, birds of – shoes of prey, birds of prey, shoes of prey. Let's try that again. Marty, tell us about shoes of prey. What have you got for us today? Well, I wonder if birds of prey, the band, come out of shoes of prey <laughs> now that you mention it because shoes of prey started in uh, uh, 2009 and uh, interesting, interesting business in regards to the owner, which I think was off the back. Have I got her name here somewhere? Fox, Megan Fox, was it? No, uh, Jody Fox. Jody Fox. Jody Fox. Oh, jeez, I've got to <laughs> stop on, reading mate. magazines. <laughs> Jody Fox. <laughs> Have you you've just and, been following the the trashy gossip, um, Megan? I've been reading uh, reading the Packers uh, biography, <laughs> but uh, no, Jody Fox with uh, Shoes of Prey started a business in two thousand and nine that came out of a concept, and I always love how businesses come out of a personal concept where she just didn't like the shoes that uh, she saw on the store shelves, and she went to Hong Kong and designed about fourteen pairs of personalised shoes that she loved, and brought them back to Australia, and of course, what happened? All her friends go. Where'd you get those shoes from? And uh, before too long, she had a business in customising shoes. Now, it was very, very successful for a period of time. Uh, they grew to 200 staff members. Uh, they had uh, offices that expanded into the US and overseas. Uh, but the pain point of the business ended up being decision paralysis in that that people had to make a decision on the type of shoes they wanted to design for themselves. So there was timing issues, decision issues, and all of a sudden the initial excitement over the concept uh, 
caused ended up causing the problem where people were just spending too much time making a decision rather than mm-hmm. buying. Um, so it was a yeah a really unique business. She worked with her uh, co-founder Mike and Michael who worked at Google at the time and came across. And um, yeah, I just thought very interesting concept. They raised more than thirty million in funding uh, in order to grow the business as well. So again, this is one of those stories where uh, Jody faced uh, loss. She lost her business partner and her spouse in the in the business as well. So again, not a great situation uh, with a divorce. And again, like the previous episode, we talked about it's amazing the pressures that come on in business. When businesses go well, sometimes you face pressures, but also when businesses don't do so well or they turn for the worse, uh, it can put a lot of strain on relationships as well. So it was customization was all the fad. It was uh, it's still a growing trend where people like to personalize uh, their their purchases, uh, but and that's what she was basically tapping into. But the thing that cooked it in the end was just that decision paralysis. She had 12 foundational designs and then there were just bolt-ons in regards to how you wanted to design them. But again, another good lesson in regards to what seemed like a great idea and did get initial traction to the point of really growing the business to a a point in time uh, and then coming to the point where people just wanted to buy the shoes they saw uh, on the shelf because that was more fashionable. So yeah, Lads, just a little snapshot there. I had a, uh, I watched the video. It was very good. And a um, couple of things I picked up is they missed the market and, well, they, miss, they misread the market. And I think if you look at where the world has gone now through social media and the world of influencers and, you know, people now, um, particularly, you know, we're talking fashion we're, we're, and we're mainly talking female shoes. So they, they're so more exposed to what other other females are wearing now from a shoe point of view and and they want to look like that particular female so they want to be wearing the shoes that that female is wearing so that was um that that was the other big thing I took out of it and and also just high fixed costs they had um uh, they had they they had committed to um um a certain way of production and you know that that involved a very heavy workforce um, lots of properties that you know manufacturing the shoes, so they had very large fixed costs. And when you have very large fixed costs, uh, things go downhill pretty quickly. Mm. Um, if you, you if you can't release some of those costs quickly, um, so that was the two main things that I picked up. Re- relies on a certain amount of scale too. You know, you've got to meet certain revenue numbers to obviously tackle those fixed costs or to maintain those fixed costs. So um, looking at the numbers, I mean, that they'd raised 30, 35 million. They wanted to be able to do a hundred million in revenue, which was part of the story they were telling or, or the, you know, what they were aiming for. But just looking at those numbers, that's, that's between 500,000 and a million pairs of customized shoes that you've got to be selling per year. It's a lot of people that you got to get onto your website to design a pair of shoes and put an order in. Um, and even thinking about that now, and I just brought up something, um, you know, looking into into it now that I knew we we're talking about shoes of prey, not birds of prey. I've been looking at the wrong thing all day, getting prepared for this episode recording. So um, all my research into birds of prey has just gone to shit. Um, so shoes of prey, uh, read this article and it actually talked about, you know, the other thing that went wrong was around the market research. 
So obviously we talked about Koala and all of that, the things that they put into place. The Shoes of Prey, Jody and the and the other founders and people involved in the business obviously conduct market research. Um, she had the, the the example of bringing the shoes back and having, you know, a dozen of her work friends going, oh my God, I love that. I'd love to be able to do that too, which, you know, uh, promotes the idea. Then go and do a bunch of market research. And what it says is the problem with market research is what people say and what they do can be very different. So the example of market research was that 50% of Victorians say they eat healthy, but only 7% of Victorians eat enough vegetables. So if you get surveyed, do you know, do you think you eat enough vegetables? Yes, I do. Yep, I'm in that number. I eat vegetables. But then if you actually looked at the amount of serves of vegetables you're eating, you probably find you're not. So what you say and what you do are two different things. The example, another one, 60% of Americans, when surveyed, say they'll vote. But on voting day, only 40% of Americans turn up to vote. So they relied on market research that said that all these people would love to customize their own shoes. But as you said, Marty, that um, decision paralysis of getting to check out and actually deciding what you wanted to change on the shoes versus being able to walk into a store and grab it off the shelf or just go to the checkout with the pair of shoes that was already designed by a designer who's got a job designing shoes and moving on with life. You know my favorite market research? Yes. Sales. <laughs> Cash in the bank. Sales. That's my favorite market research because that's uh, that's people actually buying the product. And uh, you're exactly right, Jason. I think you go back four episodes ago where we talked about the case study of Koala. And just when we've been talking through this case study, how much co- fixed costs in regards to wages and mm. design on the shoes and infrastructure costs. It, it's it's astronomical, whereas Koala was very, very lean with high margins at 48% on the product. Uh, it was all internet-based, great Google reviews. So again, like you said, I th- thought, Nick, you brought up a really good point in regards to the influencer status now in that people want to wear what they see someone else wear um, and make their purchase based on that rather than designing your own shoe and hoping that someone goes, where did you get it from? I don't think it has the same pull. So it's amazing how the you know the market can change as well as to what people place value on. So yeah, really interesting. Well, the other thing that we haven't mentioned here was, um, was, was the tech side. So you think of all these things that I'm just thinking about it now as we're talking about it. But first thing, you know, we, we spoke about electric cars and mass production um, and we, we actually talked about being able to modify cars quite a few episodes ago. And imagine if you've got all these different designs coming in. So I can only imagine it's hard to get efficiencies when you're not running with one or two of the same product all the time. Then you've got the tech business. So they also had the challenge of being able to deliver um, an interface that made it really easy for people to to design the shoes. This wasn't just click and buy. They mm-hmm. had to have uh, a program where someone could go on and it was a really nice experience to design the shoe. So imagine the upfront costs that um, that would have been needed to to get that sort of program running. Um, so it's just, I don't know, like I'm just looking at it and thinking, well, how did it do so well for 10 years? And I'm, mm. I'm not sure how well it actually did for 10 years, but I'm looking at it thinking, oh, it's a wonder it lasted that long. That's some big investments. Uh, investors, um, Mike Kennan-Brooks was, was an investor. Uh, he's the CEO of Atlassian, now trying to take over AGL. 
uh, Blue Sky Capital. So, you know, there's some big, big companies that, that, that were in there. And it does mention um, they dabbled in bricks and mortar. So they must have been buying some of the manufacturing places they were building, uh, they were working out of, I would have thought. Yeah, well, well, they do say that 36% of consumers are interested in personalised products or services. One in five consumers interested in personalised products are willing to pay a 20% premium. But I think you've you've articulated it well. There's too many moving pieces. And this is, remember in the episode, like you said, we talked about the Tesla cars where mm-hmm. they said you could have buy all these extra features on a membership and have different packages and stuff. I'm already going, I've already got decision fatigue. I'm going, just give me the car and make sure it's good. I'll pay for it and then use what's in it. I'm going, (laughs) you know, I don't want to have to think through all this. You know, Mm. life's busy. But, yeah, I think that's what's happened here. But it was a fad. Like back in 2000, there was a business going around called Make Your Own Pizza and it was in the CBD in Melbourne and everyone rushed out at lunch and, you know, and and you'd go and put your own ingredients on the pizza. Then they'd weigh the pizza and you'd be charged as to, what the pizza weighed and everything and it it was okay because it was interesting to start with but then how long do you think the line took to go and get get to the point where people were just topping up their pizzas and then you didn't know the exact cost so you go that was a variable all of a sudden and and just you know it, it just became annoying but the concept initially was great chuck some salmon on some salami fantastic but yeah but then the annoyance of the execution was was just go and get a pizza from pizza hut simple i know what i'm getting that that decision fatigue is huge and i think you might do it once or twice as a novelty but um yeah it's it's definitely not for me but again i guess i guess some people would like it but is it is it enough people where you can get as you stated jay scale and you can get scale that you need because of your fixed costs, you know, so. So question I want to ask, Jace, I'll open it up to both of you, is what do you do to turn this business around? If you've got this issue um, in regards to fixed costs, how would you how would you turn this business around? Any thought process around that? Oh, understanding your fixed costs is also a great, always yes. a great place to start. So, um, and look, Fixed costs, while the word fixed makes it sounds like it's set in st- sound like it's set in stone, of course you can renegotiate fixed costs. You can look at, you know, changing different things. So, you know, you might be in a rent that you're stuck in, but you might go to the landlord and say, hey, I need to negotiate the lease. Otherwise, you know, I might not be around forever, you know, those kind of things. So there might be fixed costs you can look at negotiating. Um, you know, you, one of your fixed costs is wages you know you've got your team you've got a set number of employees working a set number of hours you may look to change that i mean we've used examples where companies have let go of 10 20 30 percent of their employees um i was going to say often what happens when companies raise money like this you know they've raised 30 35 million over a number of years that meant they had the cash to burn right you know and i think a lot of a lot of the times raising money puts the wrong mindset into the founders heads of what they can do with that money and how they can expand and what they'll do to grow without actually settling back down and going how do we be smart with our money and this investment you know uplifting operations and moving to la for example like what what business benefits did having the headquarters in LA have over the headquarters being in Melbourne or Sydney or wherever it was originally for in this shoes of prey example? Um, or was that just fuck, we got the money and we want to be in LA now? Let's let's 
Let's uplift the business and move. You know, opening bricks and mortar stores when you were customizing shoes. What decision led to that? I know we talk, I was meant to be talking about fixed costs, but that was where my head was going before. Well, we want to pivot to what the you know, where. What do you change in regards to the delivery to the market to make mm-hmm. it attractive again? Because there's a fair p- pivot, but it goes against the actual integrity of why they started mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think they've got to create a brand. Yeah, strip, yeah. strip back to basics, build a brand, build trust from your clients. You know, have a set number that are already pre-custom designed, and have a limited number. So then that way, you know, that that for me as an example would be going, I want to get a custom pair of shoes. I want to design it, get to the website and actually have one pop up that's been customized with a limited number that'll be out there. So I know that there's not going to be that many people rocking around in this design and I can go straight to the checkout, have it delivered to my door a week later. Bang, done. Just solve the problem of sitting there trying to figure out what I actually really wanted the shoe yep. to look like. Um, there's little things like that, that, that I do. Yeah. But eliminating fixed costs and, and being a lean, lean machine where you've got to have volume and scale coming through, but you can actually bring that back a little bit and make it more of a boutique, um, you know, high end, good, great, you know, quality at a good, at, at a premium price, you know, r- remove the need to sell a hundred million dollars worth of them and do your hundred million with less less customers because it's premium and niche and unique. Remove the fixed the the huge fixed heads overheads. The other thing I was going to say in relation to shoes of prey, I saw somewhere in the show notes that like the daily edited was an example of these customizable personalized products. And you know what happened at the end of 2022? The daily edited went into liquidation as well. Mm. So wow. probably a bit of a yep. it's been bought out and revived and somebody put some money into it. Um the former CEO of I think Maya um, can't remember the guy's name, but you know. But again, it went into liquidation. It was basically, you know, it lost its heartbeat, and somebody had to come along. And, and uh, Bernie Brooks, there we go. Bernie Brooks, the former CEO of Maya, ended up coming in and reviving it out of liquidation and taking back over. But it's yeah, it, makes, it just makes you think that these customized, you know, these customization kind of brands that rely on people making decisions before they get to check out. You know, there's probably a bit of a sign there that. It's a tough market to crack. Yeah, and when you've got investment groups like Blue Sky Capital and you know Mike Cannon Brooks coming in, it's not a it's not a heart and soul mum and dad business where they do what they need to do to turn it around. Um, these VC guys say, "Well, mm. that's enough. Taps off. Yeah. <clears throat> Next venture." So yeah, and it comes with know. the pressures. Once that thirty to thirty-five mil went in, the pressure would have been ROI, grow, build, scale keep the factory in China pumping, get the sales through the door. And within a little bit of time when it wasn't where it needed to be, it was, yeah, turn the tap off, shut it down. It's not working. We're, you know, done. Move on. Amazing to think how often that does happen, doesn't it? Like you think someone chucks in 30 mil on a concept that has some traction and uh, you just go, you'd hate to think how often they get burnt, like a lot of those startups, but. Yeah, had some good traction, but I think it was a good it was a good business lesson. It was good to get your input, lads, on on just yeah you know, little things on what you could do to you know save that business, what you do differently. Because again, there's certainly some pivots that are needed, but it sounds like it was too far gone by the time uh, they they did any of that. But um, like I said, we weren't in their shoes, literally, thankfully, given the type of shoes they had. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good business lesson. So hopefully, you took something away from today game over